National Security This Week, a weekly look at American national security issues. And now, your host, John Olson. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to National Security This Week. I'm your host, John Olson. Every Wednesday at 9 a.m., we'll get together here on KYMN Radio in Northfield for around 30 minutes to discuss national security. Some weeks we'll cover broad issues. Other weeks we'll take a deep dive into areas around the world where you may not have heard much about but might find interesting. We'll even tackle topics that might be controversial, but we'll stick with the facts so you can decide for yourself. We'll bring in guests from our local area, from around Minnesota, and from across the nation to help us explore challenges in national security. If there are topics you'd like us to cover, please email KYMN Radio, and I'll do my very best to find experts who can address your topic. So let's jump right in. In a future show, I'm going to give you an overview on what are called the tools of national power. For today, just consider there are four main tools. Diplomacy, using the military, the power of information, and economic power. These four tools are used by governments to achieve national security objectives, usually as part of foreign policy. These tools are all in the toolbox for the U.S. government as well. Today, we're going to focus on just one of those tools of national power, economic power. And because we live in Minnesota and a significant percentage of Minnesota's economy is tied up in agriculture, we're going to concentrate our discussions on agriculture and international trade. Our guest today is the Commissioner of the Minnesota Department of Agriculture. Commissioner Tom Peterson was appointed by Governor Walls in 2019. Tom is a longtime resident of Royalton Township near Pine City, where he lives on a horse farm. Before being appointed commissioner, Tom Peterson served as the Director of Government Relations for Minnesota Farmers Union, working on behalf of MFU's farmer members, both in Washington, D.C. and in St. Paul. He has a wide range of experience in state and federal farm policy and travels to almost every county in Minnesota each year to fully understand how these policies affect farmers' daily lives. Throughout his life, he's also served on many boards and committees, all in support of farmers and the agriculture sector. We are honored to have Commissioner Peterson as our guest today. Commissioner Tom Peterson, welcome to National Security This Week. Thanks, John. It's great to join you this morning. Appreciate the opportunity. How's the horse farm handling the cold weather these days? Uh, it's a it's a tough uh, tough go of it right now. We're in about a 10-day streak here of uh, sub-zero weather, and my farm's a little north of the cities, and, you know, we get a little extra feed uh uh, and uh, make it through these days. They do just fine. You know, it's funny too. The animals would rather be outside on days like this. You think they'd want to be inside, but you know, it's a you know, hats off to all our livestock farmers and going through this tough spell this uh, right now. So it's a it's a tough one. All right. So why don't we jump into our topic today? Uh, lots to cover. Uh, could you give our listeners an, an overview of Minnesota's agriculture industry? I, I suspect most people in our state, they know our farmers produce grains and livestock, but they don't know how much and, and, and other products maybe that they haven't heard much about. Could you tell us just a little bit about the Minnesota agriculture industry? Yeah, so Minnesota is really an agricultural powerhouse, you know, as we look at uh, the state and uh, and the United States in general. If you look at Minnesota, um, the neat thing about Minnesota is we're really evenly balanced between livestock and crops. A lot of states don't have that. We do, you know, about seven, eight billion dollars of crop uh, sales a year in uh, about the same of uh, livestock, you know, and so we're, we have a nice balance across our state of crops and livestock. Of course, you know, uh, corn, soybeans are really dominate our landscape. Uh, we're in the top uh, five uh, in the production of those. Uh, wheat is also really important crop up in northwest Minnesota, and we're number one in sugar beet production. 
not as much in, in obviously in your area, but in Northwest Minnesota and West Central Minnesota, sugar beet crop is very important. Um, and then uh, um, we're number two in uh, pork production uh, in the country, which is really important. Uh, we have uh, thousands of cattle farms, about 2,500 dairy farms in the state. Uh, number one in turkey production uh, in, in uh, the country, which is uh, really important. And even in this area, we um, rank number one and more um, near the top in some of our smaller canning crops like uh, 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 peas or sweet corn, things like that. Um, and then we have a real strong local food uh, movement in Minnesota with uh, over 200 and so uh, farmers markets, growing CSA is something that really, uh, really ramped up in, uh, in COVID with people buying locally. And then keep in mind, Minnesota is home to many big uh, um, uh, egg giants, whether it's Formel, Lando Lakes, uh, General Mills, uh, you can go on and on, CHS, uh, Minnesota just really, um, really, like I say, is an agricultural powerhouse. We produce a quality crop uh, as we're talking about exporting around the world, really to countries uh, who, who need our, our food, you know, and so I think that's really kind of a quick synopsis of our uh, agriculture in Minnesota. Okay. So all that said, uh, with all the kind of the upheaval going on in the world today and, and whatnot, how, how are... How is Minnesota's agriculture industry doing right now? I know that's kind of a broad question, and that each each sector is uh, kind of specific unto itself, whether it be poultry or cattle, corn, dairy, and everything else. Uh, and each one is unique and, and complex all by itself. But how are our farmers doing right now? Yeah, it's a, it's a complex question, John, but, you know, it's one that basically the farmers are doing better right now, I'd say. You know, farmers before this year had probably – uh, five, six years of down prices, kind of across the board. You know, usually we'll see grain or crops. If grain prices are up, uh, livestock prices are down and vice versa. Um, but, you know, we really struggled the last few years. In fact, 2018, we had had the lowest prices, uh, lowest farm income that we had had in 23 years at $26,000 in 2018. Oh, so just wow. think about that, you know, um, that we had had uh, risen into the top five in bankruptcies in the country. Um, we have over a thousand farmers uh, in mediation. Um, and then we had 2019, uh, which was the wettest year on record for farmers. Um, and as we turned the page into 2020, um, things looked really good. Uh, you know, we signed the the first phase of the um, the China uh, agreement to export a lot of uh, our crops to China. Um, we we signed a USMCA or agreed to it in principle, um, and then COVID hit, and COVID really tipped our markets upside down uh, in in Minnesota because um, you know it really changed our food system for a while because. People went from, you know, in, in 2019 too, Minnesotans ate out uh, more for the first time than they ate in. So more than 50% of the time people were eating out or getting takeout or something like that. Then in March, we went from doing that to eating at home of more than 80% of the time. Uh, mm -hmm. And it really changed, you know, our big food companies. They weren't selling 20 pound box beef. They're selling cuts. Uh, they're not selling pouches of eggs. They're selling uh, cartons of eggs, you know, and so... It really um, changed the food system across the not just Minnesota and the United States, but across the world as we dealt with lockdowns. So, um, you know, we went into that. You uh, people may remember this summer we ha unfortunately had to uh, depopulate pigs, turkeys, chickens just because we 
Um, we had uh, plants down. Um, but now uh, in the fall, things really recovered nicely. Um, you know, farmers got exactly what they needed. We got a perfect harvest um, that couldn't have been better. We had great crops, great yields. Um, they uh, didn't need to dry down crops, uh, farmers, uh, and then prices really rebounded as uh, different things happened in South America or uh, Asia, a market started to move and uh, we had this great crop. It also, Iowa, you might remember, uh, John had this deratio uh, right. um, that really took a lot of the corn crop out, which um, unfortunately maybe benefited Minnesota farmers. So in all in all, farmers are doing better with prices right now. Um, uh, across the board. Dairy uh, could be a little stronger, but uh, in general, uh, coming back. So let, let's move into the, the international markets. You mentioned those a little bit uh, early in the first question we, we talked about. Uh, we've seen a lot of upheaval in those international markets over the past few years. Uh, right now, uh, what, what markets do Minnesota farmers have access to uh, for, for exports? You know, really... Um, uh, we have access to a lot of different uh, markets in Minnesota because we have a high quality crop, especially this year, uh, we have a tremendous interest in our, uh, our crop. Our top trading partners consistently are the United States and Canada and China in the top three. China dropped off, but will be in the top, maybe even in, may even edge out Canada or Mexico this coming year with uh, the amount of corn uh, and soybeans and meal we're shipping uh, and pork uh, uh, to China. And so it's really uh, uh, good to see that those markets are coming. You know, we lost our China market, um, you know, for a while there. And so what we at the Department of Agriculture, what I tried to say is we tried to fill a lot of a lot of small buckets to equal that big bucket of China. And so we really worked with uh, Taiwan, Vietnam, uh, you know, our really developing companies, Japan, they have partial free trade agreements, not quite full great agreements. Um, but really interested in our product. Uh, we were able to ship some more uh, things to Europe. And then also South America, I mentioned a lot of these smaller buckets, whether it's uh, Colombia, Peru, uh, really big markets. I, I did a mission there um, uh, and to Bogota and to uh, um, Lima. And really interesting to see that. Um, also, like you know, some of the smaller ones like Panama. Um, so we ha we have a lot of uh, a lot of our grain is um, is leaving our our country right now, and uh, and uh, we're using a lot. Uh, you know, not as much in biofuels right now, and so that's a real positive thing right now. Okay. Uh, for our audience, you're listening to KYMN Radio, AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting out of Northfield, Minnesota. This is National Security This Week, and I'm your host, John Olson. Our guest today is Minnesota Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson, and we're discussing the critical role agriculture plays in foreign policy. Uh, so, Commissioner Peterson, we've, we've been discussing access to those international markets for our farmers. Uh, those export markets are obviously critical. Uh, what are the three top export markets right now for Minnesota farmers? Yep. And so right now, uh, definitely um, uh, Canada and Mexico and, and China, although I will say Canada has a really tight lockdown, mm -hmm. you know, and so it's made a little bit harder. You know, we kind of discussed um, uh, their food system, too, has changed quite a bit, you know, with restaurants and, and things like that. And so um, did a call with uh, Manitoba farmers this last week and some of their uh, companies and buyers. And so that's, that's been a little bit of a challenge. And, 
you know, hoping as we see vaccines uh, um, and the economy start to open up that Canada, um, you know, will really uh, boost some markets and we can really see some flourishing things. Mexico too, a really important market um, for a lot of our products. And, and we're kind of looking as that uh, new USMCA goes into effect, some of the different uh, things we may have to do there. But, but China right now is really on a buying spree and that's really boosting a lot of our markets right now. So those, those are definitely our top three. I know Canada has some, uh, some border lockdown going on right now because of COVID. Is that impacting our ability to export uh, goods across the border at all, or, or are there good exceptions being made for export products? Yeah, good question, John. Uh, um, no, um, the good thing is with Canada, you know, we, we, you can't go and go fishing or things like that right now, uh, but you can, we can send uh, trucks and agriculture supplies and food back and forth. Um, it's more they're in the same position we were in earlier where um, they're, it's what they're buying is a little different, you know, and so they're not buying, you know, uh, boxes of beef and things like that as much as they were, um, you know, or, or different shipments of grain, um, you know, and so it's, it's just kind of changed that market some. It's more of that. But, we, you know, we work really closely. You know, one of the things, John, and, in, in, um, and, and you know this, in, uh, in um, developing trade and, and foreign relations is having uh, strong relationships, you know, and so we work with a Canadian consulate here in, uh, in Minneapolis and, you know, we talk with them on a regular basis, you know, if we have issues of products moving back and forth or what we're seeing, um, you know, and they're very helpful. Same with Mexico. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we deal with them very regularly. Yeah, those 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 relationships that you build, uh, it takes long times a long time to build, uh, tend to be very very important in times of uh, crisis like what we're facing right now with COVID. I'd say that that's really an interesting point too because I think that on trade, especially with a lot of our Asian countries, they really want to come here and see our product, and they haven't been able to do that. They want to bring their traders in, they want to visit our farms, they want us to go there. Uh, and see where their product, where where we're buying is going, and that and the COVID has really hampered that quite a bit, that personal touch. Sure. But it has allowed us to, um, you know, I really appreciate our staff and our state. We've pivoted to virtual trade missions, not quite the same, um, you know, as as those relationships that you build and everything. But that you know, Asian countries, uh, you know, have not um, had COVID as bad as we have, uh, oddly enough, you know, and they're ready to get back to trading, uh, you know, in person as soon as possible and really want to see that uh, up in. But that those relationships are really key and something we work very hard at. So as Ag Commissioner, what potential challenges do you see for Minnesota's farmers? Uh, the world isn't exactly a stable place these days and, and markets don't generally like instability. So do you see any uh, challenges on the on the horizon for us? Well, I think too, is like right now with a new president is a kind of a honeymoon, you know, uh, with nations, they want to build those relationships early in the administration. And I'm, um, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic that President Biden is really, um, you know, in an effort to build, uh, you know, those relationships. And so I think right now we're in that. Um, and so I think that, you know, as we, um, you know, uh, really get into um, uh, this this next phase. As I think these strong prices hopefully will last uh, a year or two as we build those markets. But I, you know, we do get concerned about um, uh, peaks and valleys and 
uh, you know, and, and, and weather uh, situations have been really challenging over the last few years. And I think that, that, you know, having like a 2019 where we, we had a poor quality crop and we didn't have a lot of it really sets us up for, um, you know, not having enough product to uh, keep our farmers, uh, you know, on the land. And so that's, that's a concern we have and something that we're always trying to address is, you know, how we provide a, a quality product and compete against South America on our bigger products like uh, corn and soybeans. And so that that's something we watch. And then Russia, you know, is really interesting to watch as a powerhouse too, as they develop their agricultural economy, how do they compete and how do they uh, fit into the whole uh, uh, piece too as well. So I think there's a lot of things to watch. Also, you know, one other thing I want to mention too, we've been working on quite a bit is the UK, mm -hmm. um, you know, with Brexit and everything too, that, that that's a new market that we've uh, been having quite a few meetings with them to see if they're going to open up and, and do a free trade agreement. So yeah, interesting scenarios. So we've spent uh, a lot of our discussion so far talking about uh, the export market opportunities and whatnot, and you just started bringing up the idea of uh, competition out there in, in the international marketplace, and that's what capitalism is all about, is uh, competition in the marketplace. So what kind of international competition do, do Minnesota farmers face? Are, are there any nations out there that you know of that uh, you're willing to call out by name that are practicing unfair agriculture trade practices, maybe dumping commodities on the market or subsidizing agriculture? in ways that create an unfair advantage? You know, um, it's hard to say. I would say not really uh, as much right now. I think the, the ones that get the most attention would be Brazil and Argentina, um, you know, uh, with different uh, things, whether it's uh, uh, biofuels, um, corn, soybeans, uh, definitely are, are big competitors for us. Um, you know, and I think that's really, really an interesting piece that, you know, we watch closely. Um, it, it was interesting too to be in South America and see how we could compete in Colombia and Peru, uh, maybe better than um, Brazil and Argentina. Hmm. But you know, I think right now, um, you know, it's we're not seeing as much of that right now, um, and not as big a concern. But it's just that they're able to get a double crop; they have better weather. Um, but they also have climate issues too, and so we're seeing that from time to time where they may have sold all their product and then we can step in and, and take advantage of that. But, um, you know, I think those are, you know, the bigger, uh, you know, issues, but I also, you know, take a look at Russia too, to see what they're going to do. You know, it's really interesting too. They really held on to a lot of their wheat or different uh, countries um, this, this summer. And now it looks like they're releasing a lot of uh, different things. And so that can really have a big effect on markets and everything. Okay. Okay. Uh, for our audience, uh, you're listening to KYMN Radio AM 1080 and FM 95.1, broadcasting out of Northfield, Minnesota. This is National Security This Week, and I'm your host, John Olson. Our guest today is Minnesota Agriculture Commissioner Tom Peterson, and we're discussing the critical role agriculture plays in foreign policy. So let's shift into an area that has always concerned me as a career uh, intelligence officer, and, and that topic is biosecurity. We know invasive species are already here in Minnesota. Uh, reed canary grass, Asian carp, emerald mm -hmm. ash borer, Japanese beetles, all introduced by man's lack of attention to detail. Uh, so what happens if something is purposefully introduced to undermine an agriculture sector, some sort of disease pathogen targeting uh, turkeys, for instance, since we're a top producer in the country? How concerned are you about biosecurity for the Minnesota ag uh, industry, and, and, and what potential threats to crops and livestock most concern you? 
Well, you know, it's it's something that is a tremendous responsibility as a commissioner. And, and uh, you know, I, I think something that, you know, we watch very closely at our department. We have a, a incident management team that, uh, that we um, go through exercises all the time to look at what are some of the bigger things that we face. Uh, the first thing before I get into a couple, you know, what really alarmed a lot of people this summer, John, I don't remember if you remember these uh, mystery seeds that people started to receive right. from China, yep. for example, you know, you never know. I mean, it, it turned out to be kind of a, a, a scheme of uh, trying to boost ratings on, uh, on online platforms and things like that. But we weren't sure what these mystery seeds were as we started to see. I remember I, I, I saw that Washington State got them and I, on a Sunday, and I called our, our department on Monday morning, I said, can you look into this? And by, you know, I think that afternoon, we had over 100 calls of people that had received these mystery seeds. Very interesting, but it did alarm people. And, you know, we have things in place where we could check it out pretty quickly and find out. But really, I mean, you look at, um, in the in the area there, we have a lot of turkey farms in, in uh, this uh, Northfield area, for example, we have avian influenza right now, for example, that we're watching in, in Europe. We had uh, 2015 where we um, where we had a terrible uh, incident where we had to uh, um, put a lot of turkeys died and were euthanized. And we're watching that fly pattern very closely right now. That could be very similar to uh, when we had it before. Um, so farms take a lot of precautions on biosecurity, on travel, different things like that. And then also African um, uh, African swine fever is another thing we're watching very closely um, that is uh, prevalent in Asia and uh, would just decimate our hog herd here in, in the United States. So unfortunately, this summer, as we had to depopulate hogs, um, you know, we were able to run some tests so that if Minnesota were ever to be in this system, you know, we would be able to handle it. Um, we're working on vaccines uh, to get uh, that. And so this is a huge concern, you know, that we try to um, uh, follow and be on top of. And then you also have the invasive pests you mentioned, you know, Emerald Ash Borer is uh, one too we're dealing with at the department. We're in charge of that, for example, with our trees. Very, uh, um, very important to our small towns, many of them lined with ash trees. Uh, you know, that we uh, keep uh, on top of that. So it's it's a, a big issue. We have a tremendous staff at our department that uh, works on these issues. A great question. And, and, and the big challenge with that particular topic, frankly, is that a naturally occurring outbreak looks very similar to a man-made outbreak if, uh, if anybody ever wanted to go down that path. So it'd be hard to differentiate between the two. Uh, and it would take some, some real science to, to dive in and figure out something had been, in fact, engineered. And, and we've, we've seen, you know, unfortunately, a couple of scares like that where people may have tried to do that, you know, and, and turns out that it was nothing and everything. But there, there are high alerts that uh, somebody could try to uh, do that and, and really disrupt our system and everything. And so it is, you know, a, a very big concern uh, as we look at our, our system here in, in Minnesota. And, and there is a difference, I should remark, as a, as a, as a career intel officer, I should remark that uh, you have terrorist groups, for instance, that might want to do something on their own, and then you have something that we refer to as covert action on the part of a, a nation state trying to do something along those lines. Uh, m most nation states are not willing to go down that road of uh, <laughs> bio-attacks, because yeah, no. like African uh, swine fever, for instance, once that gets out, it can go anywhere. Uh, mm -hmm. Just like all the other diseases, so you it can you can have a boomerang effect. 
Uh, let's get back to uh, so, uh, an interesting question. I, I read a, an article a little while ago uh, discussing the fact that exporters on the West and East Coasts uh, of America chose to send empty shipping containers back to China back in the fall, October, November timeframe, rather than load them up with American agriculture exports. Uh, could you explain w- or why you think exporters would make such a decision, and, and how does that practice impact farmers, especially in in sort of that time of the year, which is a high export uh, time of the year? You know, this is really an interesting issue that I think that, you know, we've kind of asked some of our, you know, congressional delegation to look into. And, and again, that's something that we partner with uh, both parties to look at trade. Um, you know, this um, issue as is China is starting to accelerate their exports, uh, they're paying premiums for containers. It's, it's more profitable for them they need the containers to come back quickly and it takes time to load them mm-hmm. and uh, refill them and everything. And so, um, you know, we're sending, uh, we're estimating that three out of four containers leaving the U S for Asia right now are going back empty. Wow. And wow. so that can be a real delay for some of our, uh, soy, uh, soy meal and soy, uh, our grains. Um, and that's something that, you know, it just seems economically that it, uh, um, you know, wouldn't be efficient, but we have, we're concerned about a shortage of some of those um, uh, products and trying to get our, our markets back. But for them, you know, it's cheaper to send a ship back uh, empty uh, or containers back empty uh, than it is to wait to have them loaded and sent back because there's such a need right now. So I think that's interesting as we look at our trade and, you know, and, and so we may see too, like, especially some of our goods not being shipped in containers, but maybe shipped as a whole um, uh, 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 freight or something, uh, different things or modes of that. But it's a, it's a really interesting issue right now, John, as we're trying to look at that and work through our congressional delegation um, to hold uh, insight hearings on that. Okay. So we just have a, a few minutes left, uh, maybe a couple more questions if, uh, if you have the time. What opportunities do you see for, for Minnesota farmers w- with uh, international markets under the new Biden administration? Uh, have you heard anything about the possibility of a of renewed trade with Cuba, for instance? I know our congressional delegation has, has worked on that issue in the past, uh, or other nations. Uh, maybe an, a renegotiated Trans-Pacific Partnership? Yeah, thanks, John. I'll start with Cuba because that's something that I've worked on for many years. It was a big thing that Farmers Union always supported. It makes sense. It's a close trading partner. Um, we've had farmers, especially in that area in Southeast, be able to trade cattle and different things when we've, we've been able to. Uh, there, there's a tremendous opportunity there. And, and, you know, personally, I've been disappointed with the previous administration. Um, and uh, I'm really hopeful for that. We haven't heard a lot from that. But I know that you know, Senator Klobuchar and Representative Emmer, for example, have been bipartisanly very big champions of trade with Cuba. And yeah, so that's uh, very hopeful on that. And uh, and the TPP, I really don't think that they'll jump back into that. Um, I think that uh, we're not going to see a big, uh, is my gut feeling on that. Um, I, I could be wrong, but I, I think that there's won't be as much uh, on that. We're coming toward the end. Is there anything else you'd like our listeners to know about Minnesota agriculture today, uh, especially issues linked to American national security, trade, that kind of thing? Yeah, I think, you know, it's really interesting to see, you know, the opportunities within our food system changing uh, is really interesting as we, uh, you know, provide a a lot of opportunities for local uh, food production. And it's interesting to see as COVID hit in Minnesota, um, people started buying locally. 
uh, a lot more. You know, so our meat markets, uh, things like that, have just been really uh, had strong business. And so we're wondering, you know, too, as we look at how that parlays into our bigger markets, mm-hmm. um, you know, that uh, it's something that you know within COVID there was just a tremendous interest in doing that. And as we come out of COVID, will that keep up? Will that trend keep up? Not just in um, in Minnesota across the the world. And we kind of think it will. And so I think that you'll see companies um, really looking at building uh, climate platforms. You'll see um, uh, countries wanting to know what they're importing and how it's produced. And Minnesota will have initiatives on water quality, for example, sustainability, on how our, how our crops and different things are produced so we can certify those. And I, I think that's going to be a really big trend uh, as, as we talk to buyers across the world as, you know, how are we producing our crops and how are we impacting our climate and our planet? Uh, so I think that's another big issue, John, as, as we look at going forward. But I think it's a great opportunity because I think Minnesota has the opportunity to you know, kind of set an example for the nation. We can, we can set the standard, right? <laughs> I think so. You know, we're really... We're really getting farther advanced on a lot of our different practices and everything. And and I see uh, the impression that we're making with some of our trading partners. And I, I do think it's a big issue as we go forward. All right. Uh, well, you've reached the end of our time today, sir. Uh, Commissioner Tom Peterson, thank you so much for being our guest this week on, on National Security This Week. John, I really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you and, and visit about the important issue of food security. All right, everyone. Uh, This was another edition of National Security This Week. We're broadcasting on KYMN Radio in Northfield, Minnesota on AM 1080 and FM 95.1. I'm your host, John Olson. Thank you for joining me today. I look forward to sharing time with you again next Wednesday morning at 9 a.m. In the meantime, if you have ideas for topics you'd like us to cover, please contact KYMN Radio, and I'll do my very best to find experts who can address your topic. Have a fantastic Wednesday and a great finish to your week. been listening to National Security This Week, a weekly show looking into issues of American national security with the host, John Olson. Listen every Wednesday at 9 a.m. for National Security This Week.